Welcome, baseball fans, to episode 12 of the Banished to the Pen podcast, the audio component of the website Banished to the Pen, a group baseball blog produced by fans of the Effectively Wild podcast. I am your host, Ryan Sullivan, editor-in-chief of NatsGM.com and the baron of all baseball podcasts. This week, I am excited to be joined by two major contributors to Banished to the Pen, Brandon Lee and Mike Carlucci. Hope I got that name right. Say hello to the podcast world, fellas. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hello, Internet. Very, very good. They're not the best in the business for nothing, folks. So, uh, but I am just slightly kidding around, guys. I'm a big fan of your work that you guys have been doing, and I'm really excited to talk some baseball with you this weekend. And uh, glad to get you guys on the show. So, uh, welcome. Hope this is uh, the first of many visits. Thanks, Ryan. Happy to be here. Thanks. Exciting to... uh be on the pod okay for those of us who you know may not be aware of you guys you know may not be familiar with your work uh let's do some introductions like we do each week uh day job twitter how you became a fan of effectively wild if you're team ben or team sam basically anything you want to share you know who you're a fan of and that kind of stuff so uh, we're going to start alphabetical first i'll start with the b and brandon let's uh have you introduce yourself and uh share a little bit with the audience all right thanks ryan uh, my name is Brandon. I uh, live and work in Chicago, Illinois, born and raised. I'm a Cubs fan. Uh, and for my day job, I work for an Asian American civil rights organization in Chicago by night. I am often still working for that Asian American civil rights organization in Chicago, but I'm also uh, watching the Cubs or Bulls, depending on the season. Uh, you know, I also uh, like to, you know, hang out with my dog and, you know, things like that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Blee Internets. That's Blee, like, first name, first initial, last name, and then Internets, as in more than one Internet. Uh, I first became a fan of Effectively Wild last season. Uh, I was really jonesing for some baseball talk, uh, and uh, I forgot who it was. It was either Sahad of Sharma or... Harry Pavlidis, who was a guest on an episode, and they're both big on Cubs Twitter, so there was a lot of conversation about it, so I downloaded that episode, and I've been listening to it uh, pretty much ever since, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I listen every day in the morning. My, my routine is that I listen to Effectively Wild in the morning as I'm walking my dog, so, so if the episode gets uploaded in the afternoon, uh, it really sucks, because then I, you know... Um, a day behind. Uh, anyways, I, uh, whether I'm Team Ben or Team Sam, I, I'm going to go with Team Sam, but I, I found myself going back and forth a little bit this offseason. I, I really like Sam's general disposition and uh, you know, his, his version of the podcast introduction song you know, pops into my head every now and then. Um, but this offseason, uh, between between Ben tweeting about the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt last off uh, last weekend and his Mung Cottage industry pun, uh, you know, I was kind of going back to, to Team Ben. But, you know, if forced to choose today, uh, I'm going to go with Sam, but only by the hairs on his chinny chin chin. Very cool. I got to say, Sam had the best line of the week with, you would seem like the kind of guy that would have owned a power glove. That definitely was the line of the week for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, but uh, in all seriousness, uh, now, Mike, uh, introduce yourself. All the same good questions. Okay. Uh, I'm Mike. My 
I'm on Twitter under my name, Mike Carlucci. Uh, I'm a data analyst at a university in Boston as my, as my day job. Uh, I listen to Effectively Wild, uh, like Brandon, in the morning, get that, uh, get that commute done. Uh, I came across Effectively Wild from the Up and In podcast. I was not a point niner, but I did I did become a retro point niner uh, to get into into the baseball perspectives podcast history there. <laughs> uh, and let's see, I've got, it's 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 a difficult decision to really say Team Ben, knowing knowing his his Yankee fandom and heritage, but I've got to go Team Ben for the sci-fi references and I don't know something some, something something about Ben's tone I think he's, he's got he's got the radio voice and I think that that may just convince me uh, regardless of what he's saying I can see that because Ben definitely has a voice that I wouldn't put with his uh, face and his body it's very funny so when you see him and then you hear his voice uh, it's kind of not unusual, but I, I'm one of those people that you're like, oh, I wouldn't expect that voice from him, kind of things. Yeah, it's a it's a good, solid radio, radio broadcasting. Definitely, and he's also one of the nicest people you will ever meet if you get a chance to. So, big shout out to Ben, but as always, still Team Sam. So, all right, uh, I want to dive into some baseball talk this week, if I can, guys. And uh, first place, I'm going to start alphabetical again. I'm going to start with Brandon. So. Uh, Brandon, you've been doing the Padres uh, preview, if I have yes. that correct. So I wanted to pick your brain because I think the Padres have had, if it's not the most interesting offseason, certainly one of the top two or three. Uh, A.J. Preller is uh, maybe a bigger rock star than Taylor Swift right now. Um, has made you know, tons of trades. They've made a lot of, you know, maybe collectively they seem a little in, you know, unusual, but each trade kind of made sense in a vacuum. Kind of. I just want to give you the floor first and foremost to talk about their offseason. Yeah, you know, and and the Padres really did have an an exceptional offseason just in the the kind of volume of impact moves that they ended up making. Uh, you know, and 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 four big moves, the the Norris trade, the Myers trade, the the Upton trade and the um and the Kemp trade all basically materialized within 24 hours in uh, in mid-December, and just hearing one news story after the other uh, was just pretty wild. Um, and of course, the the Shields signing coming in in uh, February was just really like icing on the cake for for the off season. Really, like it was it was already this huge uh, this huge improvement over the previous season. Uh, well, presumably, presumably a big improvement, uh, and then and then Shields just goes and makes it even, you know, an even better off season. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of it'll be interesting to see how how all the new uh, how the all the new bats kind of adjust to Petco, and uh, you know, it's it's a historically, you know, very very pitcher friendly park, so. You know whether those guys will still be able to replicate their power numbers, especially Upton and uh, especially Upton and Kemp. And then for for Myers, it's kind of you know making the power that we know is there uh, translate to 
to the big league level. So help me, first and foremost, who plays where in that outfield? Oh, God. You know, I was having a hard time figuring this out, but it's been Myers playing in center so far this spring. And I think the, the wisdom in the offseason was that uh, was that Myers was going to get a bulk of the time in center. Um, but, you know, they, they still have a couple of guys who can, who can come in and kind of be defensive replacements. Um, but, yeah, I think, we're, I think we're looking at up, Upton and left, Myers in center, and Kemp in right. That might be the exact opposite way that I would have it, but okay. You, you, would, have, you would have it uh, up, Upton in right and, uh, and Kemp in left. Yeah, and I'm still not sure that I wouldn't have Upton in center yeah. over Myers, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. So where does that leave then the rest, the starting outfield from last season, Quentin, Mabin, and Venable? Well, uh, Quentin is always hurt. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I mean, even relying relying on him at all is is not a very, you know, sure sure thing at all. Um, I I think you're you're still looking at Venable as a as a defensive uh, as a defensive replacement, a guy who can come in and 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 cover the late innings for them. Uh, you know, so it's, they, they have option, they have options in the outfield, uh, and Mabin as well, Mabin as well. I, they have options in the outfield. It's kind of a matter of, you know, Bud Black being able to, to really, uh, to balance it and make sure that, you know, he, he plays, uh, you know, he makes those defensive substitutions at the right time so as to, to not sacrifice the, you know, the offense. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I noticed in, in, uh, for the Padres is last season they they're fourth from the bottom in in home runs for the league, which I guess is not completely surprising since they play in Petco. Um, but they were dead last in every one of the slash line categories. They were last in batting average and on base and slugging. So it's not you know they they really have nowhere to go but up. I guess. Yeah, that's that's a good point. A question I probably should have started with, but I do want to ask, and they kind of touched on it on the Effectively Wild edition when they were talking Padres, but did you expect to see such an active offseason? I mean, I, you know, we're so far removed. I'm in D.C. from the Padres, but uh, it seemed like I didn't, I think the general consensus was that it was going to be more of a quiet offseason than, I mean, certainly compared to this, but did you see a hyperactive offseason? No, okay. no way. I mean, it, like, it's... Uh, the Padres, I, I think a big a big joke that's kind of come that's kind of recurred this off season, uh, especially after they made all these big moves, is that up until this point, the Padres have been a pretty boring franchise for a little while. Uh, and you know, depending on depending on how far back you want to go, I, I when I was looking at, at a bit of the, the the franchise index for the Padres, even going back like going back to the you know, after the 98 World Series, it's kind of like there are no really distinct franchise players, um, even the ones who, who, uh, who were there, like, uh, like, like PV or, uh, or uh, Adrian Gonzalez. Like, these are guys who were traded when they were still pretty young. And, uh, you know, there's not, they're, they're kind of in this range of, of being of being okay, not really bottoming out, not really being that great. And then when they do make the playoffs, it's kind of on a, on a fluke of being a, 
you know, the, the they won 82 games one year <laughs> and won the division. Uh, so, so like it's it's not something that I would expect given uh, you know given their history and then especially given you know last year at the deadline, Preller is selling pieces. You know, he's trading Headley and he's trading Houston Street. So, you know, making these wholesale changes is definitely not something that I would have expected. And you touched on the subject of a franchise player, which definitely, one, opened my eyes to the fact that you're right. They haven't had one probably since Gwen, if not since Gwen. And two, leads me to my next question, the next topic of James Shields, who's at mm. least being paid now like a superstar franchise yeah. corner, the franchise kind of player. But he seemingly fell into their lap in, I guess it was February, a few weeks ago. Uh, what are your thoughts on the signing? Because I think it was maybe the best signing of the offseason. Yeah, I think it's a. I, I do think it's a very good signing for them. Uh, you know, if if I'm kind of looking at it like this, if if the Shield signing was the only signing that that they made, if it was the only big move that they made in the offseason, then like it, it, I would just be scratching my head. You know, like all right, you have this, you have a big park, you're signing another, uh, you know, very good pitcher, but you're still not going to score any runs. But but now this is like them taking their their window of contention and really just like trying to to throw it completely open right it's no longer just like you know if you if you could look at it and say before the offseason it was either closed or like you know you're probably not looking at it opening for for a few years and uh, but then but then you make some of the trades and you're like all right it's open a little bit now you know hopefully they can score some runs but shields kind of you know it it it, it, when combined with the with the other moves, it's it's really uh it's really fantastic signing, I think. Well, and he gives them the stabilizing force in that rotation that they needed. They have a lot yeah, of guys like Kashner and and Kennedy has been hurt a little bit, and and I'll never get this name right, but Despinier or whatever his name is, uh, the fifth starter. They have a lot of question marks. They have Josh yeah. Johnson and Brandon Morrow as well that they've signed. It's like right. Shields gives them the two hundred twenty innings that you can count on. Absolutely. And then go figure Absolutely. out. That's why I just I feel like it was such a perfect signing for them and for what they needed. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and Tyson Ross had a good season last year too, but I mean like he's he's a guy who who you really you really don't know what you're going to get out of him. But yeah, he's absolutely a stabilizing force. And you know, if if this is a year where where Kashner can can stay healthy for the whole season, like it's uh that's a that's a pretty formidable one too. Yeah, and then you start getting into if Ross is healthy or Kennedy. You've got a nice one, two, three, four there if you can yeah, go that far. Absolutely. So I think there are a lot of ifs and whens and if things can happen, but at least the starting rotation looks pretty interesting to me, and, and I'm Certainly. curious if they can stay healthy. Um, I, I could pick your brain on all these moves all day, I'm sure, but we need to uh, kind of cut it here a little bit. So uh, how about give me a bold prediction for the Padres for 2015 and a win total for 2015? Hey. A bold prediction. All right, so, uh, all right, I'm gonna. This is where I'm gonna go with my bold prediction. My bold prediction is that the Padres will sign Hector Olivera. Okay, that's a good. That counts. I'll give you that yeah, one. That's yeah, a good one. I think. I think they're they're gonna. They're they have issues with the infield, and they, you know, they. Their their payroll is not in such a place where you know it's it's high for the it's a situation where it's kind of it's kind of high for the Padres but but 
but in future years, it's not, um, you know, it's it's not so uh, they're not so burdened with these huge unmovable contracts. Um, so they need help on the infield, and he's a freely available talent, and they don't want the the Dodgers to sign him. So uh, you know, and and also for for Olivara, you know. He he could come into San Diego and get playing time right away, and I think, you know, with with the with the Dodgers, they they can go out and spend all this money. But then if a guy doesn't work out, then they'll just you know not play him. Uh, but but he would get more than a fair shot with the Padres, and I think you know if if the Padres can move up their offer a little bit, um, the Do- the Dodgers were rumored to to be offering what seventy seven million or something, mm-hmm. and the Padres were at fifty. Um, or so, but if if the Padres can get it up there, I I could see I could see them signing him. Uh, but right now, with the roster as it is, I still don't know if they're if they're if they're past you know if if they're if they're firmly in second place. I think they're close though um, uh, to the Giants. But uh, you know, I had them I had them at eighty four eighty five wins. But but Preller is. You know, I'm not going to put it past him to tinker to add a win, a win here. Uh, you know, over the course of the season, so I got him at 84, 85 right now. But if they sign Olivar, that might be another win, and then you know, a win or two, and then Preller makes a move or two. That's a couple more wins, and then you know, then you're looking at upper 80s. So, all right, you got to give me a that's number. Wild card level. You got to give us a number. It's the rule. You know, the losses <laughs> tell me you got to get is a, the rule is a number. At, right. Roster right now, eighty-five. Eighty-five wins. Okay. Roster right now, eighty-five wins. Which which is a big improvement over last year. That is very true. That's what eight wins. I think they were seventy-seven yep. or something. Yeah. So that's a yep. that's a nice. You know, I'll take that. I think eighty-five would be good, and it also would get baseball interest back in San Diego, which I think would be tremendous. So. Certainly. Okay, Brandon, I'm banishing you to the pen. All right. And <laughs> uh, Mike, I'm calling you in. All right. Uh, I know it's not your team, but we're doing some pirates talk this week. Because I think you've been doing, uh, you've been writing about them, I guess, for the site uh, recently. Yeah, I, uh, I put together the, the Pirates review for uh, for Banish to the Pen, even though they're not they're not my Red Sox, but uh, there's they've got a lot of good good stuff going on, and they, as a long time suffering fan, I I can sympathize with the plight of the Pirates fan. Yeah, and just before diving in, I think they have the best park in baseball. So if anybody that hasn't gotten to PNC, do yourself a favor and go. It's it, it's a real treat. So, uh, but Mike, first and foremost, we start every every you know time with everybody with just kind of what you thought of the Pirates off season. So I want to give you the floor here to talk about that a little bit. Uh, I think Russell Martin was probably the biggest news, and that happened early on, and then uh, kind of the the way the rest of the off season played out. Sure. Yeah. Uh- I mean, Martin was he he was he was the big fish, but it it always it always seemed like he was he was headed out uh, for greener greener pastures of sorts. Uh, and I mean, I, I was I was a big Russell Martin fan when he was with the Dodgers, and he had he had some some great years, uh, you know, practically twenty twenty seasons as as a catcher. Uh, I mean, he he was an amazing, uh, amazing fantasy fantasy baseball steal. Uh, but you know, he he went through that long drought where he 
worked his way out of, out of the Dodgers. Uh, you know, he went to the Yankees and had had a little bounce back, uh, but you know, no one no one could have could have expected him to to return to peak form. And you know, the, the Pirates are in a tough tough spot. Uh, they probably would have would have liked to keep him. They've got young pitchers coming up uh, with goal, uh, goal, Garrett Cole and uh, you know Jamison Tyon re- returning from Tommy John surgery. Uh, but instead, they grabbed another guy from the Yankees, and now they've got Francisco Cervelli, who can't probably can't come come anywhere close to Martin's ability with the bat, but. He's also got the pitch framing legacy, uh, which you know that might that might be enough with with their other their other guys because uh, Gregory uh, Polanco is uh, you know, poten- potentially going to fill in a lot of a lot of Martin's production. Uh, he had he had a a good start and then you know fell fell off. But as a you know as a rookie, what what can you what can you expect? Yeah, those are th- that's a name that I wanted to touch on a little bit. Is is Polanco? Is what what are you expecting in in this season? He had a nice year last year. Obviously, uh, are you expecting a sophomore slump from him, or are you kind of expecting more of a breakout? I I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna do maybe not the the, the bar is set set so high for these guys after after Trout and Harper. But I think I think he can he can easily come in and have uh you know he's got Andrew McCutcheon in in the same outfield. So it's it's tough even even on his own team to sure. to kind of rise rise above it. But uh you know he, he and Starlin Marte are not like they're they're gonna have they should have a high floor. I think he can do he can do okay. It's not. Uh, it's not even like when McCutcheon came up, where he had to carry the team. Like Polanco's coming into a strong organization now. Yeah, that's... he should be able to, uh, you know, be be able to help out. Okay, so you like Polanco. What about uh, the other name that I got to ask you about? Is Josh Harrison, uh, one of my longtime favorites. Kind of came out of I don't want to say nowhere, but certainly majorly broke out last year. Now it looks like he's going to play third base every day. Your thoughts on Harrison this year? Uh, you know, it's it's so tough to tell with uh, with, a, with a guy like Harrison because he he's been you know he, he's he's got uh, you know experience all over the diamond. He's been the multi position super utility guy, and he and you know he he excelled at that, and sometimes. Uh, that guy becomes Ben Zobrist, and kind of move, you know, move, moves on and and keep keeps excelling everywhere he goes. Uh, but other times, it's you know it's Sean Figgins who he put it he put enough together to earn himself uh, a full starting job, and then 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 it didn't really like the magic was gone. It would be uh, you know it'd be great to see to see Harrison keep it up, but. You you always have to to look at the you know look at the BABIP and just wonder you know is three three fifty three sustainable or is that his is that his true talent 
and it could be. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I tend to agree. I feel a little skeptical on him more from the just he didn't have a huge pedigree in the minor leagues, but I've always liked the way he t- he approaches the game and plays. So, like you say, maybe, maybe he is more Zobris than Figgins, but that's an interesting name that you threw out there. And uh, good call. Uh, and I a five do- eight infielder, you know, I can't can't uh, can't help but think Pedroia can do it. Uh, you know the little the little guy. You're, you're rooting for the little guy from prospect status and and physical stature. Yeah, that's a good call. So let let me let, turn to the mound now, if I can. It seems like Pittsburgh has had, I don't want to say a revelation in the last few years, but their pitching coach is somewhere between uh, a miracle worker and a miracle worker is the word I'll use. Um, we've seen uh, AJ Burnett come back. Uh, we saw Volquez leave. Uh, where are you seeing? You mentioned Cole and Tyon earlier in, in the uh, in this interview. Just your thoughts on kind of where is their starting pitching going to go in twenty fifteen? It it looks like they've got they've they've got they've got the magic stuff right now. Uh, we've heard it heard it with the White Sox. We've heard it with Dave Duncan, Leo Mazzone. Uh You know the National League seems to get seems seems to have had uh, the magic pitching coaches in the last few decades. And you know the, the Pirates are are doing it now with uh, you know Ray Ray Searge. It'll be it'll be very interesting. He seems to have something that that's that's quantifiable in at least you know to the guys on the field. Uh, AJ Burnett is he's at the end of his career. He's probably looking to try try and get that that championship run. And he didn't need to come back. He he could have found another another team. He almost stayed with the Pirates last year, uh, but you know things didn't work out, and he went went with uh, a different offer in, in Philadelphia. But like, he ha- he's got to be drawn to something, and we've seen guys who had been had been inconsistent, uh, you know, Liriano, Edinson Volquez, um, sort of putting putting things together, and it's it's not you know, it's not you know a short trip out to Petco where you can kind of boost your boost your numbers like they're they're doing something and it's you know maybe maybe russell martin uh should be getting a bigger bigger share of that credit but right now uh, you know the the guys they believe in him and that that might be that might be what they need you know combined with another another pitch framer uh in francisco cervelli like they've They've got they've got that recipe. Their guys aren't, you know, aren't aren't getting. Uh, doesn't seem like they're they're all going down with uh, Tommy John. Although you know, Jameson Tyon did <laughs> did have that last year. Yeah, that's that's true. So, okay, I'm not going to be able to make it through a Pirates talk without talking about Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, we know he's outstanding. I don't need to necessarily. We don't need to cover how great he is. But what do you think the chances are that they get him signed to an extension? Whether it's sometime short term or long term, I think they can do it. The 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 time in the '90s and 2000s where small smaller market teams couldn't couldn't compete, or if they could, you know, if they if they could compete financially, it had to be it had to be they picked the guy and then that was it. And even you know, just a few years ago with the the Tulowitzki deal, the rock the Rockies were kind of there, but now everyone. Uh, you know, has different revenue streams. Uh, you know, like like you said, I, I haven't been there yet, but 
people love PNC Park. Uh, McCutcheon is their McCutcheon's their guy. He's the he's one of the faces of baseball at this point, and he's he's the face of their team. He's an exciting player on the field. He's he's extremely likable. Uh, uh, you know, just in his public persona, even his comer- you know commercial appearances, like you feel like this is a this is a good guy. And they, uh, you know, the, there was a, a rumor about you know a twenty five million dollar a year offer, and that's you know in today's today's world that's it's not you know not a bargain, but it's it's doable when every team is kind of putting up at least a hundred million uh, in payroll. Like it's not it's not the same burden that it was, and if he, you know, by all accounts seems to like it there. I think they can get it done. Can can I throw out a question about the about the uh, McCutcheon extension? Go for it. You got the sure. floor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess what so McCutcheon's not gonna not do for free agency for I think four more seasons. So so and and I understand the idea of wanting to you know secure your franchise players and get them under contract and make sure that they're you know. They're playing for your team for for their whole careers, but I think we you know what we've seen, especially with the you know the some of these major huge contracts that were that were signed you know maybe a a, a couple years before they had to be signed. Like uh, I'm thinking with uh, with Ryan Howard, although there were a lot of flags with that at the time anyway, but also with Miguel Cabrera uh, and Detroit. Is is that something that you think the will make the Pirates wary and at least wait until the last season of the contract before really diving into, you know, numbers? Yeah, uh, I mean, every everyone has to has to think back to some of these big contracts, uh, and I think looks like McCutcheon. So he he's under contract for. Two more years after after this one, and then a team option uh, in twenty eighteen. Yeah, so 2015 would be would would be early, uh, but he'll, he'd only be twenty one or thirty one rather at yeah. the end of uh, at the end of his contract now. So maybe maybe they could do something where it's it still isn't. Uh, you know, isn't as long in years. Because he, he is a different, different sort of profile than than Miguel Cabrera. Oh, certainly, certainly. Yeah, I mean, but if you had had him for, you know, years 30, 30, 32 through thirty five, they might feel comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, could they rip up the last three years and maybe just make it an eight year? You know, start at two hundred million. It probably doesn't get done, but start with that offer kind of thing. He gets a big payday up front, including three years of extra money that he wouldn't have gotten for for, you know, substituting some years of free agency. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, this is this is the first year that he'll make at least ten million dollars. So he, even though it seems like he's been around forever, you know, in major league time, his career earnings are still, you know, still relatively low for being a superstar. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, he and yeah. I don't want to say this the wrong way for general population, but he's just starting to make big baseball money. 
I mean, he got a nice. I'm sure he got a nice bonus as the 12th or 13th pick in the draft and all that. But this is when he'll really start making big money. Yeah, and yeah. if both sides, both sides are amenable, you know, you can you you could do something that uh, that lets him get paid now and lets the team not uh, not have him uh, under under contract till he's 40. Yeah, I think uh, I actually think that's what the Pirates should do. I think we should take credit for it when it happens. I'm sure they haven't thought about it at all until they listen to this podcast. So, <laughs> well, you know, when Neil Huntington makes the announcement, I'm sure, uh, I'm, I'm sure this this uh, this will be referenced. He'll say, you know, that Mike Carlucci is a smart man. Well, I didn't think about it until I ha- he listened to that podcast with that guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but uh, but I digress. In all seriousness, uh, I do want to get, uh, as I do, uh, a bold prediction for you for the Pirates and a win total. The win total is, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with 87 wins, which is uh, couched a little bit by the the youth and inexperience. You've got you've got McCutcheon for sure. Everyone else can take a step up. They could easily easily blow that away. The bold prediction. I think, win total aside, they're going to beat the Cardinals this year. Ooh, okay. I'll give you that one. That's bold. I like that. It's not they've, supremely they've bold, it. but it's bold. I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, I like that. That's a good one. Uh, my bold prediction is I'm going to say Cervelli out outplays Russell Martin. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, I think that, that qualifies bold. as bold. That is bold, right? but I've been sitting on that one uh, for a while. He's my kind of fantasy sleeper. I like Cervelli this year. So, okay, guys, uh, I want to <laughs> shift off team talk, and I want to. Uh, we always talk a little general baseball on the podcast, and we try to. This week, I kind of wanted to talk pitcher injuries, which is just a great subject to talk about. But just since the last podcast we've done, we've seen. I guess Marcus Stroman's gone out with an ACL. We've seen you Darvish. He's going under the knife. Tuesday or the next few days and there's another name that I'm blanking on uh please help me guys but we've seen uh seen three big injuries here just in the last few days uh Cliffley thank you yes thank you um I I don't even know the question that I want to ask besides just bringing these topic up to a certain degree but the knee is different with Stroman with the than the arm with you know Darvish and Lee but I, I just it's bothering me on a certain level that we're seeing so many of these great pitchers getting injured during spring training, not just this year, but it feels like the last three or four years. Um, I, I, maybe I'll just open it up and start with Mike, just thoughts. I, I, I don't know where I necessarily want to go with this besides just opening the topic up. Uh, I, I feel like with, with the dark, with the Darvish injury, so much uh, went on about, about, Daisuke Matsuzaka uh, and his kind of early, early fatigue into, you know, into injury coming from uh, being being the the recognized champion since high school in in Japan that he had all these extra innings, and Darvish, sort of the the conversation was about he's he's a bigger physical guy, uh, he wasn't the sort of superstar he wasn't throwing two hundred inning games that. He, not that he would be immune to injury, but just that that you'd have to look at look at him differently. And everything that was that was a red flag on Daisuke, Darvish didn't have. And can I touch just to jump in? I'm sorry to interrupt, but another point I wanted to make was 
and both with Darvish and Cliff Lee, both of these guys have as good a mechanics as virtually any pitcher in the league. I mean, yeah. Cliff Lee is probably the yeah. the best example for a lefty. And, you know, certainly if you read Doug Thorburn at, at Baseball Prospectus, he is always talking about Darvish's mechanics. So just to your point, you know, Mike, it's just amazing to me that we're seeing, you know, the guys with the good mechanics going down too. Yeah, and it it, it seems like we, we keep – we keep hearing every year sort of new new theories and you know a new understanding uh, as guys are hurt and you know what what else can you can you point to there's there's uh, you know so many signs on you know going different ways and like there's there's got to be something that that baseball medicine is is missing yeah brandon let me tag you in here what your thoughts yeah. too i want to get you in here yeah i I, you know, regarding the pitcher injuries, I I think I I was thinking a little bit more about about Stroman this week actually because I believe his injury happened on a bunting drill, uh, and uh, and it did. You know, it absolutely. It I don't know if it was he was bunting or if he, he was, it was pitcher was fielding he, practice. Was he, see, I don't so remember. I heard it was a bunting drill. Was he bunting or was he or was he on the mound covering a bunt? And I don't know. I but I know yeah. it was a bunting experiment. So. It was a bunting experiment. Okay, okay. Never mind. I won't go too far into that then. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, you know, it's it it really honestly it sucks to see how these guys go down. And I think and I think especially for a guy like Lee, um, I, I it's it's it he's almost at the end here. Uh, so so this is you know this was probably like his his last hurrah. He he would have you know try the Phillies maybe I don't know maybe they would have tried to trade him at, at midseason to to contender but but yeah now he's 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 got a long road back and he's he's an older guy and and it really uh it's it sucks for Cliff Lee um for for Darvish he's one of the guys that I was really looking forward to pitch this year and uh and I I made it a point to watch some of his starts you know, in previous seasons, and I know that every, you know, every time, I think it's been two or three times now, he's, you know, he's flirted with a no-hitter, you know, it's, it's, it's appointment, well, not appointment, you can't make an appointment for a no-hitter, uh, but, must-see TV, yeah, yeah, it's must, it's must-see TV, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and for their teams, uh, I guess the the Phillies, you know, they're not going anywhere, but for, for the Rangers, this definitely hurts them, uh, and it definitely hurts the Blue Jays as well. So, you know, the, we'll and, we'll see how it goes for both of them. And the point I wanted to make with Stroman was, and I don't think this is the Buster Posey injury. I feel like more this is the Carlos Santana injury. But the mm. Stroman getting hurt in bunting, and if he was actually bunting, and I'm just making that a hypothetical, not fielding it, because that's something we can't get rid of. But if he was injured while he was actually practicing his, practicing his bunting, is this maybe the injury before the injury where we start going, okay, it's designated hitter time, guys. We don't need any more of our pitchers getting hurt doing things besides throwing the baseball. There's enough injury risk, as we can see with Cliff Lee and you Darvish just throwing the ball. We don't need to yeah. add in this guy bunting and getting injured in that scenario. Any thoughts to that, guys? No, certainly. That's that's the that's kind of the direction I was I was thinking about going earlier. Where uh, you know, it's definite it it definitely would bring up you know DH in the NL, <laughs> you know conversations. 
you know, and and you know, even even going back as far as uh, 2003, it's kind of weird. It's it's going pretty far back, but you know, there Mark Pryor was running the base pads and uh, ran into um, Marcus Giles, and then Absolutely. Pryor was and then Pryor was out for for two months down the stretch there. The, you know the Cubs clinched the the division on the the last weekend of the season, but you know that that could have been really really you know a devastating sort of uh, thing to happen to 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 any team when you know your pitcher is running the base pads or if your Sean, your pitcher gets injured in in the act of playing offense. Yeah, Sean Hill for the Nationals and uh, Sean was, Hill. That's right. Was diving into for, uh, third base, and I don't think he ever played again. Or yep. certainly, really never got back to the form. He was a darn good pitcher. He looked like he was going to be a nice four for us for a long time. Yep. Never really developed after that. So, well, uh, on that really uplifting note, uh, uh, let's try to transition into something lighter, guys, because that just t- completely bummed me out on a Saturday. I'm sorry, but uh, I do want to touch on something uh, a little lighter that we saw this week as well. Uh, Will Ferrell was i think we all know him as the actor anchorman you know elf and a bunch of other movies was uh i guess he was doing the charity event for lack of a better word for the for raising money for cancer and i don't know how to describe it necessarily but he played in i guess five or six different spring training games and played i guess 10 different positions and third base coach and i guess just generally was being kind of his goofy self and trying to raise some money um I wanted to throw it to the group, just kind of your thoughts on this, you know, obvious publicity stunt. Let's start with the, let's start with Brandon. I think we started with Mike a couple times in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool. You know, like it's, I, I'm not, you know, I like Will Ferrell, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say he's, he's my favorite SNL guy ever or anything or, or favorite actor or anything, but he's you know, it's it's a it's a fun stunt. I, I think, you know, I, I'd I'd like to to get some takes from from some of the kind of more fringier players who who were playing in the games that he played in. You know, I, I I doubt any of them would go on record saying that that they didn't like it or anything. But you know, it's it. You know, these these are guys who are who are competing for for jobs and chasing their their dreams and things like that and you know he there there he did you know go up and take an at bat and take an inning out in the field for for a bunch of teams so you know i i i think in the grand scheme of things it's harmless but uh and it generated some good publicity but i'm i'm interested to know what what some of the more borderline players who are playing in those games thought about it yeah mike your thoughts yeah i i feel i feel pretty Pretty similar to uh, to Brandon here. I kind of, I sort of, I sort of liked it. It was it was interesting. It kind it it made it made spring training feel feel a little bit more connected instead of just focusing on kind of your own your own team or, or one team here or there. It was this big event that you know all of baseball Twitter was following, and this is you know th- this is where it should happen. Uh, I you know, there there have been uh, you know, a few players usually, you know, when they're when they're retiring, sign the one day contract. But I, I feel like there was a celebrity that that did that at one point who, who didn't who didn't play. Uh, but but the, this is what 
this is kind of what you need to do when, uh, when all of these guys now are, uh, you know, basically basically have have their jobs. They're full time athletes. They're you know they're they're working out all winter. It's not it's not the spring training of yesteryear where you know you rolled in and you know you hear some of these stories about you know, Babe Ruth and uh, and you know and stuff just coming in and that's when they decided to pick up a bat for the first time in a few months. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, I'm going to unfortunately take the opposite take. And, and most people who have listened to the podcast know that normally my pet peeves are people taking the game too seriously. So uh, I'm going to put on my curmudgeon hat right now. But I was surprisingly, I didn't like it. It turned me off a little bit. Um, I was at a bar watching it, just at happy hour watching. And I will say that there were a lot of people watching this and commenting in a positive way and yeah, I'm a big Will Ferrell guy. I like his movies, and you know, I'm certainly going to be the first one to commend anybody for using their popularity to try to raise money for cancer. I mean, it, those are all positives. I just, I, I didn't like the message that it was sending that spring training is kind of a joke or that it's meaningless or that the, this competition is is unnecessary. I mean, one from the players' perspective that you guys touched on so well, but just, I don't know. I mean. He raised a million dollars for cancer and, and for charity, so I don't want to diminish that. But this is a man that could probably do that in other ways without having to make himself quite such of the spectacle. Now, it seemed like the players were enjoying it. Like you mentioned also on Twitter, you know, you, I saw Will Middlebrooks had a great funny tweet about him and, and some other things. I just, I, I don't know how some of these players, you know, this is their job. And, you know, I don't know how Will Ferrell would feel if all of a sudden these guys showed up on set and, you know, we're cutting up while he was trying to film a movie. It just feels like a little. Uh, I, I'm going to play the curmudgeon, but I, I got to say, I didn't particularly like it. Yeah, I mean, I. I, I know uh, I'm taking it a little seriously. I, I know, but. <laughs> no, I think that I think that's cool, and I, I mean, I think it's 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 something that I I don't think I would have expected to see at this scale. You know, I I think maybe it's. Maybe it's that it's it it seems a little too like grandly orchestrated, you know. Thank like you. if it's Thank if you. it's yes. if it's if here I think there's a difference between like if there's if there's one team who signs an actor for one day as a publicity stunt and has him go out there and and play one inning in in right field late in a spring training game that doesn't matter. Then you know that's 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 cool, you know. Like like you know whatever I I probably wouldn't have noticed um but but maybe that's but maybe that's the problem you know you do it if you do it with five different teams in one day then people do notice and and that's what they were going for yeah i think you make a great point both sides of it that's a great call i think like you say it felt a little forced and orchestrated because he's getting on a plane and going to different stadiums but like you said yeah, he lands he landed in the the white Sox. Uh, the last game he played uh, was was a White Sox uh, spring training game, and he lands in center field in a helicopter. <laughs> like on some level, I think that's that's kind of goofy and funny, and it's it's kind of you know, making yourself the story. But yeah, but I think it's but I, I think it's a I think it's a little much. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I said, if I have to play the curmudgeon role, I'll play the curmudgeon role this week. But uh, <laughs> it feels like I didn't like it quite as much as you guys did. But I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's it's probably not that big a deal. So yeah. All right. Well, I- Go I ahead. might get out my curmudgeon hat if it becomes an annual trend of a play uh, of you know an actor or anyone not a baseball player just starting to play in spring training games. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it reminds me a little bit of the Russell Wilson thing with Texas, too. It, it's He's oh, a football God. player. Come on. You know, like, I understand that, you know, you can try to spin it like, oh, it's great for the guys to meet him, and he's a great motivating feature or speaker, but I don't know. Baseball's got enough going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's not just that for Russell Wilson, but the Rangers had to put him on the forty-man roster to keep him. <laughs> to keep him, you know, it's not like, it, you know, they and they took him in the Rule Five draft, so you know, just stuff like that. Yeah. So, okay, guys, uh, I think we've beaten this uh, horse a little bit. So, uh, we end every show with uh, your biggest baseball pet peeve. Uh, I guess we can ascertain from the last segment that my biggest pet peeve is going to be Will Ferrell this week. I think that's fair to say, but uh, in some seriousness, guys, I want to throw it to you guys, uh, your biggest pet peeve. I'll start either guy, if you guys are ready, whoever wants to start. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. I'll go. Uh, it's got to be pitchers hitting uh, between the injury risk uh, and Bartolo Colon aside. That is funny. It's not that funny. <laughs> See, I, I... Yeah, Mike, that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to figure out how I feel about pitchers hitting the the Cubs. Well, I you know, and my you know the Cubs are my team, so I watch them uh, a lot, obviously. But I, uh, you know, the Cubs have had some fun hitting pitchers over the years, and uh, and you know, I I take some some joy in watching that because maybe it's because every other pitcher is really bad at hitting so when there is one good hitting pitcher i'm like yeah that's really cool but but you know once once they start getting injured then that's uh that's when it becomes not as good yeah i got to give mike props on this one this is a good one because i used to think that you know i grew up i'm, I'm an american league guy i followed baltimore when i was a kid and then obviously the nationals now so I used to be this, oh, the National League has so much more uh, strategy to it because you've got a pitcher hitting. And it's actually, the, it's actually really the direct opposite because the strategy is so straightforward that it's, okay, I know I'm pitch hitting for the pitcher or the pitcher's bunting here or, yeah, I'm not going to pitch to the eighth hitter so I can pitch to the ninth hitter. So it's, there's no strategy to it. It's, it's, you know, straightforward. It's, you know, you eat with a fork. It's not that difficult. So uh, I, I'm with Mike on this one. I think that's a great call, Mike. Good one this week i like that one although i think carlos zambrano had five or six home runs a couple times so yes yeah yeah he, yeah, he could break. yeah yeah he's he's uh he's one of my favorite hitting pitchers of all time and mike, so, yeah. Ham mike hampton could really hit for a while oh yeah as well. mike hampton could break absolutely and and current currently for the cubs i think our our top hitting pitcher is travis wood right now uh so he's a guy who i i really like i also like guys who field left-handed but bat right-handed uh, uh the old ricky henderson he, yeah and he's one of those yeah that's a good one so okay uh i guess ben you're up biggest pet peeve um okay uh my pet peeve is that i don't not ben like did i say it. ben brandon i'm you sorry said, you said ben but i'm rolling with it <laughs> sorry i just totally botched <laughs> that and then i realized i was like i didn't do that right <laughs> I warned you pre-show that I would get names wrong, but I'm sorry. But Brandon, no disrespect intended. You're up, bud. It's all good. In fact, I'm I'm flattered that you would compare <laughs> that you would think that I'm Ben. Uh, my my pet peeve is that I I don't like it when too many people 
start liking the really scrappy but bad players. Does that make sense? Like the David Eckstein uh, syndrome. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Eckstein, Eckstein is a is a good example for for the Cubs. It's Ryan Theriot. Uh, the and Ryan. I, yeah, and and he was always, always, always one of my least favorite players. But all of my dude bro friends really like Ryan Theriot, and I. No matter how often I would say, well, he's not that good at really anything, they would just point to his scrappiness and his heart and his grit, and I could only take so much. Yeah, we call that Steve Lombardozzi syndrome here. (laughs) He had a cult following like you have never seen. It was amazing. But uh, I'm with you on that one, too. All of a sudden, because they're uh, diminutive short white guys they tend to be described as scrappy and people love them yes yes that's exactly it that's when it's just because they'd rather say i'd rather just go drink a beer with that guy that's why they (laughs) like him right no it's it's which is fine i mean i'm always up for drinking a beer with a guy but you know sure yeah but that doesn't make the guy a good baseball player a hundred percent correct so those are two good ones this week you guys knocked him out of the park i like them both so All right, guys, we're uh, bumping up against that hour mark here, so uh, I'm going to try to wrap it up here uh, for brevity's sake. Brandon uh, and Mike, I want to thank you guys both for being so great this week. Uh, Let's let's do one more time a spot for your plugs, where they can find your work, Twitter, and all that good stuff. Uh, We'll start alphabetical one last time, and we'll go with Brandon. All right, thanks for having me on this week, Ryan. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at uh, at Blee Internets, B-L-E-E Internets, like more than one internet. Uh, and you can find my work at Banished to the Pen. Very, very cool. You're doing some great work. Uh, definitely check out uh, what he's writing for Banished to the Pen. Uh, Mike? I am, again, at my name, Mike Carlucci, on Twitter. Uh, do some stuff for Banished to the Pen. Uh, probably going to start writing about baseball cards again. And, you know, see what goes, where it goes from there. That's, Enjoyed my time on the pod. That's great. I love the baseball cards uh, segments with both you and Alex. Those are uh, I love those segments and those columns. So please keep them going. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me this week, and uh, I hope to have you guys back in the future. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Absolutely, thanks. it's been great. And that was episode twelve of the Banished to the Pen podcast with Mike Carlucci and Brandon, not Ben, but Brandon Lee. Thanks to them for joining me today and for their contributions to the site so far. Both are doing uh, terrific work, and both are very talented writers, so we're very lucky to have them on the site. Uh, as I always do, I want to publicly thank uh, all the writers, editors, contributors, people behind the scenes, technical staff, everybody that we've got at Banished to the Pen. Uh, a lot of people working very hard, and uh, not everybody gets the credit they deserve. So pat on the back to you guys, and uh, job well done. With that, this episode is a wrap. I am your host, Ryan Sullivan, at NatsGM.com on Twitter. Reminding you, be nice to your fellow listeners. Hey, if you were a hot dog and you were starving, would you eat yourself? What? I know I would. First, I'd smother myself with brown mustard and relish. I'd be so delicious. 